Millennials are grossly underestimated. Their jobs aren't their whole world. They have options, they have the internet. Job satisfaction and strength of relationships, there ain't no app for that. Education is not a mechanical system, it's a human system. Any kind of work that's on some level predictable, then that's gonna be susceptible to artificial intelligence and, and machine learning. And that job, where you go to a building and you stay there 40 hours, and then you do that again for 40 years and then you retire, that's gone. Technology magnifies our leverage and increases our creativity. Stay hungry, stay foolish. Please wait as your individualized operating system is initiated. This is the Powerful Nonsense Podcast, guiding you through the madness of modern life. Now, here are your hosts, Wayne Ingram and Jem Yildiz. What's up, Powerful Nonsenses? Hello. We are back in your ear holes. Again. For another episode of the Powerful Nonsense Podcast. I am Jem Yildiz. I am Wayne Ingram. This is the Millennial Podcast. Yeah, I'm I'm feeling really energised, actually, now, now that I just it. got back from the gym. Wayne was very... I feel like I'm, my mouth's moving at a thousand miles an hour. Yes, but, and we are caffeinated, that's two T's in. But two T's in Wayne, and the gym. Wayne was trying to avoid the gym this morning. He said, look, let's podcast. He's so committed to the podcast. He goes, look, mm-hmm. let's I'm going to I'm gonna sacrifice my body. I don't want to go to the gym. I would rather podcast. And I was like, look, we're going to go to the gym. It's going to energize you. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to jump straight in. And here we are. Mm-hmm. Good workout, Wayne. It was a very good workout. Stretching. I have to say, though, I'm yes. just going to put it out there. We did play a bit of SNES Classic before, before yes. we gymmed. The old uh, Nintendo. That's it. Was decent. A bit of Street Fighter. Mm-hmm. That warmed me up. Smashed you up with a bit of Blanca. Electrifying you. It's a fucking cheat. It is a bit of a cheat. a cheat. Hold you in the corner. But then I, I e honded you, and that was with it. With your, your flapping hand at rapid speed. That's it. <laughs> I, I countered your electricity with a big a fist. Hand. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. So we got another news jackie type episode for you. There are some great some interesting news articles, articles coming out lately. That's it. A little bit of uh, interesting stats and figures that we have opinions on. As N- always. Not necessarily the same opinion either, which will be interesting, I think. Not necessarily the correct opinion or mm-hmm, yeah. just... Yeah. I mean, my, my opinion is always correct. It's yours that's questionable. <laughs> <laughs> True that. <laughs> You're entitled to your wrong opinion. <laughs> um, so we got a few stories, just a kind of quick overview of some of the things we might touch on. We might not get to all of it, but hopefully we will. Um, first of all, big question. Are, are Saturday jobs less popular among teenagers now? So did you have a Saturday job, Wayne? I did. What was yours? I worked on the lighting department of BHS. Lovely. I was a paperboy from like year seven to mm. like year 10. Year and 10? You were a year 10 paperboy. Honestly, mate. Loser! <laughs> <laughs> honestly, mate. I, I must have like stunted all kinds of growth hormones and stuff like that because... Because of your favourite, right? Honestly, waking up at that hour was ridiculous. And the guy used to pay what me like... What time do you have to get up? I must have been up about six o'clock. Six o'clock? Six or seven o'clock. For Before, like 12 quid? It, for I just do it every day. I did a paper round. This is mental. I did a paper round for like three or four years straight, seven days a week. Every seven day. Seven days? I did every day. And you know on Saturday... The Were news, you like balling? No. that dollar dollar? Mate, I had about... It was, I think I made like 21 pound a week doing that. I'm, I must have been... 21 on, quid a week? Seven days a week? How long did it take you? Because paper rounds are varying in, in length. It obviously. took me about 30 or 40 minutes. 
That's not so bad. Mate, do you, know how, do you know how big a paper is on the weekend? Like how Yeah, fit? I used to help my the mate guy, with the, the guy, I was the like, thing. you're a kid, you're small, like year seven. The guy used to like put the bags on my shoulders, like double my bags up. And my bike was like a cheap bike. So it weighed like a ton. It was like iron. So I had this heavy bike <laughs> uh-huh. and I'm loaded up with these two bags full of like... Did you not have the little paper trolley? Trolley? No, I'm not, I'm not that sad. <laughs> No, no trolley. I had it in like two bags. That's probably why my upper body's so strong because I literally had to balance paper. Humble brag. Yeah, humble brag. <laughs> just saying. Literally, like these bags. Have you seen like the Independent on like a Sunday and they had like 18 magazines inside of it? It's mental. 18 magazines. Honestly, it was so fat, these magazines that they put inside. The, the weekend ones, you'd walk in, you'd be like, oh, your pile's over there. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, how am I going to carry that? It was all a wind up. It probably was. They weren't even supposed to go in the newspapers. It was just they wanted to see. Can he take it? That was like endurance. <laughs> yeah, they saw Margaret. Honestly, my, and my week, and mine wasn't even a Saturday job. Mine was a seven-day-a-week job. So For 21 quid? It must have been illegal. Paper rounds, man. They were horrendous. And I think, yeah, I think cool. one year he's like, Jim, you've done good. You've been working for me for like three years now. I've decided to give you like a pay rise. You're going up to 23 quid. I was like, yes, balling. Yeah, that's it. And the thing is. Thinking oh, about all those sweets you could buy. And I was so generous. I was once I was bored with my twenty three pounds. Generous gem, they call me. <laughs> honestly, I used to then go like buy my family bits and pieces with the money I got. That's honestly truth. And I'd be like, oh look, I've got all this money now. Because even when you're like year seven and stuff, like having all that, all those, um, yeah, having twenty three quid was a lot of money. But then I got into paper um, pogs and not pogs, Pokemon cards. That's the one. And Pokemon cards. That's where I realized that's where you made your money. That's when I realized I was getting screwed over by my uh, post bloody job. What, because you were making so much money selling Pokemon cards? Because I could sell Pokemon cards for way more. I could sell, like, one card for, like, a week's worth of, like, bloody... (laughs) One card for 21 quid? Honestly, I used to be, like... I had, like, a a rich mate who used to just always, like... Con man. Had the best cards. Is it that that Charizard? Probably. I had loads, mate. I'd just come over with my... I'd just open up my jacket and you'd be like, which card do you want? (laughs) Anyway. But, yeah. Saturday jobs. Yeah, so... um, So, a study has come out from... Well, no, it's not even a study. It's findings from the Freedom of Information uh, Service um, that uh, requested that local authorities um, give them figures on... Because you, if you employ someone under the age of 16, you need a permit um, from the local authorities in order to do it. So the Freedom of Information scheme um, requested information with regard to how many uh, young worker permits were put out and the numbers have drastically increased. Um, increased. Or decreased. Decreased, that's what I said, right? Oh, I thought you said increased. I meant decreased. If I said increased, I meant decreased. Um, actually falling by more than 20% between uh, 2012 and 2016, um, which is interesting. Um, my initial thinking and I said this to you, Jen, before we hit record, was that it was due to uh, stress at school and pressure being put on students. Stuff that I've said for a long time on the podcast, which is schools being like, well, you have to get a good grades. If you don't get good grades, you can't get a good job. Um, and so students thinking that actually um, all the money that they'd earn from a day, uh, Saturday job um, would is not as important as the grades that they might be getting at school which i agree however what they aren't connecting because school doesn't really tell you this um is that actually all the life skills and things 
that they learn from doing a day job is actually, I think, far more important than, um, you know, Pythagoras's theorem, which I often... That's what I <laughs> truly think to. is sort of like the tragedy about this. I think actually like my Saturday job or my paper round literally taught me so many lessons in like mm-hmm. getting up, working hard and earning some money. Uh, yep. And I think it made you, again, like I said, when you used to buy presents for people, it made me feel super independent that I could choose mm-hmm. to use my money on whatever I wanted. Mm-hmm. And like that seems to be something that is... Uh, I don't know just for me whether it's the stress that's stopping people. I'm sure parents are saying, look, don't work. You don't have to do it now. Focus on your education first. But on the other side, I just generally think that it's seen as uncool now. Like at that sort of age, going into work, and I think a lot of the jobs are around, like you say, in BHS. I, I worked in, well, not anymore. BHS is dead. Well, I worked in <laughs> I worked in Matalan at the time. Did you? In, while I was at sixth form. And like that, it's not a nice, it's not like a glamorous job. You've got all no, your, ma- it, most of the jobs are going to be in your local area, which you're going to come in and your mate's going to see you like working, doing stuff. And you, it kind of looks like, ha you're working. And I think a lot of it's down to like that as well, that a lot of young people are like, I don't want to be seen doing, having to work. Or the other side is. No, do you know what? I don't think I'm going to. I reckon it plays a massive part. And I, I, I my, my little brother's a prime example. He was that sort of age and he was like, hell no, I ain't getting no job to work for someone like that. Yeah, but I, but right. Not because of my brother was doing good on YouTube, but honestly, on the no, same but sense. I think, that, but I think I am going to say that's going to play a factor. Come on. What is going to? The fact that he's been doing well on YouTube. That's going to. Yeah, but I think he's already, he's even, already sorted. So what does he need that? I think that's, I think that's an unfair comparison to use your brother. All right. Maybe my brother, but I still think there's a massive embarrassment element. Imagine if you're like someone who's working in bloody the local pound shop and then your mates come in or they know you work there and they'll come in and like Snapchat you working in some shitty oh, that's true, shop and then they take pictures of you. Look, you filling up the aisles with like baked beans and stuff. I think there's a lot. That's true. I suppose. That's I think that's where people get a little worried. But like you was mentioning there as well, my little brother is actually... Um, the fact that I think a lot of young people now know that they can make money a lot easier in probably other ways. Well, in, in many ways, actually, you're, you're talking about your Pokemon cards is a yeah. prime example in many ways because people are doing that, but online. Yeah, and with hundreds you of You buy a shit ton of Pokemon or, cards, you can sell them online. Easy yeah. peasy, lemon squeezy. Or just like you say, have your social media profiles, start promoting for people. You can, mm-hmm. You've can. you got all these young girls online and guys online who are mm-hmm. selling, what, that millionaire who sells his trainers online. He buys trainers and sells them. He's like a millionaire. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of the time, a lot of young people are seeing, like, do I, and, and that's the other thing, like, kids understand how much the value of, like, four quid is or whatever. What's the pay, like, for 16-year-olds is super low. Yeah. So I think they're thinking, I am going to work one hour of my whole day for like £3.50 or £4. It just seems ridiculous. It they'd is. think, wait, if I buy a pair of trainers, resell them on eBay, and then I could double my money, mm-hmm. that's better than me working bloody four weekends of this week. Of yeah, this month. it raises an interesting point, doesn't it? And And one that I actually haven't considered when I was reading this article, but this idea that because wages just don't increase... Um, and there's varying reasons for that. But even I don't think even if governments were increasing wages and businesses were increasing wages, the truth of the matter is I don't think that employers could increase the wages fast enough for it to be a worthwhile exchange. The problem that businesses have now is that actually these kids are clued up enough to be able to work out that I can sell shit and make more money working for myself than actually getting a job in a retail store. Mm-hmm. And I think they, they've cottoned onto that. And there's no way that a business is going to be able to give up such a massive uh, 
section of its margins in order to keep up with yeah. with how much money that the youth know that they could make online. Yeah, I think it really does come down to, number one, why is the young person getting the job? Because I think the biggest value you get from having a job, like we've mentioned, is not the money itself. It's just knowing like, you might even learn how to run that business itself mm-hmm. because a lot of the time, if you show that you do a good job, you might get left in that shop on the weekend and you've got to manage the account, you've got to manage mm-hmm. the money, you've got to manage customer service, you've got to manage the stock control. And I think they're the sort of hidden values in having these Saturday jobs at such a young age because it will foster those sort of entrepreneurial tendencies. But then I also think the only way you're going to get that value is that people aren't hiring you on the basis of you're a cheap laborer and you're going to do whatever I say, but on the basis of actually I see it as a self-development opportunity mm. as well as you earning a, like a bit of money. Well, this is it as well. And the, the young people, to be fair, again, because they're so clued up, they kind of know that they're just a cog in a machine and... For the most part, there's, well, I say that they know, for the most part, there's there's this perception of, much like what your brother was saying, why the hell am I going to go get a job for somebody that doesn't give a shit about me when I could sit at home and make more money um, and actually give a shit about myself more? Like, the actual, I think it's the emotional side is actually more important than the money side. But I do want to ask a question, which might be a little bit controversial, I don't know. Um because I actually saw a blog post, which I nearly put into the notes for this episode, mm-hmm. which was um, an apology from a boomers, a boomer parents apology to their millennial, to the millennial children. Okay. Um, which I was like, Ooh, this looks interesting. And basically the, the bulk of it was essentially saying, we're sorry that we gave you everything that you wanted. It was kind of an answer to this idea that millennials are entitled. And it was this basically, we're sorry that we actually gave you everything that you wanted because we didn't want you to have the childhood that we had. We're sorry that we um, we didn't let you think about the consequences of your actions so much because we protected you because we didn't want you to have the childhood that we had, blah, 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 blah. And where this links into this, I think, is do you think there's an element where... Um, and I'm only using my experience as a child, um, there's an element where actually the parents do have to take a little bit of ownership of this as well. Because do you think that parents are protecting their children and not and being afraid to do what my parents did, which was, well, you're 16 now. If you want money, if you want stuff, you got to go buy it yourself. And do you think there's a problem where parents haven't necessarily been doing that and they've been... Um, wrapping their kids up in cotton wool let's say well i totally agree and i think in some ways some of the kids have been made handicapped i think even going at like us as examples my parents never gave me money if i was like can i have some money they're like hell no why yeah. do you need it yeah. give me a valid reason if if it's for something that you want to buy to have a bit of fun like a new game you're gonna to have to figure out how you're gonna earn that money and that mm-hmm. might mean going outside and washing my car and i think that probably the bulk of people because i think a lot of my close friendships when i was younger i was living in quite a poor area Parents didn't have money to give you, but yeah. I think that gave you that sort of hustle mentality mm-hmm. that actually if you wanted to earn someone, you had to go out and get it. And mm-hmm. I think that nowadays, whether the people who are struggling maybe didn't kind of foster those abilities and skill sets that actually, like me and you said there, like we were working at 16. I was working younger than 16. Well, and I, I think I, I was 15 when I started yeah, working. I knew that if I went to earn money, I, I and it was good because I knew that I could physically put my effort in and I would get a reward and make money from it. Whereas I think if you're left to kind of, because I had loads of friends as well once I moved to Chingford where I used to live, 
there was a lot of people around that were wealthy and their parents would just be giving them money willy-nilly whenever they mm -hmm. asked for it. But I wonder, do they have the same sort of like hunger and mentality when it comes to now business, entrepreneurship, or have they kind of, I don't know, they might have fallen into something, but it's interesting. And I think that actually the people, the young people that are like these 16-year-olds, there's one boy in this article that's a great example. I think he's going to have a lot more hustle and a lot more kind of confidence in his own ability to go out and make money. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's that. Just, I just think that gives you so much, like yeah, like the confidence. And I just think that it's a, it's a, it's it's sad in some ways, but it seems to be something that a lot of young people aren't really doing. I think it is that mentality that it seems a little too much effort for what's coming back because we're only looking mm -hmm. at the money side of things. Mm -hmm. Do you think as well? Here's a here's a thought, which has only just popped into my head. Do you think as well that that there's an element of because when was it that it might be interesting? I don't know what year it was, but when was it that it became compulsory that you had to, after GCSEs, I go on to further education, whether that be college or A-levels? That became compulsory in the last five years, right? Mm -hmm. So I wonder if there's a... I don't actually think it's compulsory, though. Like they still, It's not kind of compulsory. You have to prove that you're... That you're in further it, education of uh, some sort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you've got employed or something. So I wonder how much actually that's affected things as well because suddenly it's kind of like I don't have the option of leaving school and getting a job so I'm not going to get on the career ladder yet and I wonder how much this kind of trying to churn out academics is actually stunting our workforce because so many people are being essentially forced down the academic route whether they like whether they want it or not in the name of a more educated workforce but actually what you're ending up with is an older workforce which is less experienced because they've gone on to do A-levels, they've gone on to do college, and then they've gone into university because that's all the education system seems to want to churn out. And so they're not entering the workplace until they're age 21 and over. Well, I just think the whole timescale of everything has kind of shifted forward. Like we're not, they're saying millennials aren't buying houses till in their 30s and having kids later in their 30s and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the same for young people. They're like, I'm 16 years old, for God's sake. We see them as like babies now. But mm -hmm. back then... Isn't it interesting? But back then, our parents would look, our parents would look at a, 30, uh, a 13, 14-year-old and say, why aren't you trying to go out and like earn some money? Because mm. it was that mentality. As soon as you hit 18, you're getting a job. Even 16, you're getting a job and you're starting to build your family. And I just think that there's yeah. a massive, huge shift in the mentality. And I think probably those 16 year olds working in a retail shop is probably not the skill sets that the government sees as jobs that are actually going to be available. Like mm -hmm. we don't need those sort of little manual labor workers. Yeah. We need more educated, highly skilled workers. And maybe it's something that they're not really wanting to push. That's it. I think at the age of 28 that I am now, I think really I'm seen by society as having the same degree of life experience as my dad did at age 21. Mm. That's how I feel. Anyway, yeah. I feel as though at age 28, I'm still looked at as like, oh, well, you're young and inexperienced, um, as opposed to my dad, who at 21 would have been like, oh, okay, yeah, you've been, you've been grinding for a good six years. Yeah, like, you've got family, kids lined it. up. Yeah. yeah, well, that's it. My, my, el my eldest sister was born when my dad was 21. They had kids, and by the time he was my age, I think kid number three had been born. Mm -hmm. Um and I wonder how much there is that shift. But let's move on to the next article, because you kind of touched on it a little bit, and I was going to mention it as well, about this, and it kind of links in, this idea that um, people aren't getting on the property ladder now till age uh, 30, at the youngest, pretty much. Mm. And um, there's been this story that came out from the Evening Standard 
um, which said, and I saw when I was searching for things to put into this episode as well, this came, this came up quite a few times actually from various sources, um, but uh, basically saying that millennials are taking now expensive holidays because they know that they'll never afford a house, which I thought was really, really interesting. And actually, as I was reading it, I was kind of like, do you know what? This kind of, this says a lot, so much about, again, the stuff that we've talked about, about millennials actually valuing experiences more than anything else. And I think there's there's a lot of actual underlying issues here that are, that, that we can unpack. Um, but essentially the crux of it is that um, buying a house has now become such a pipe dream for millennials that actually, and it's so out of reach now for millennials that they're actually gone, do you know what? There's no fucking point even trying anymore. I'd rather go and have a great freaking life and experience as much of the world as I can. Yeah, and I think it's a good mentality to have really in some ways because I think I was I talk about every time when I'm with my business partner, I just say like I say, We're lucky we've got a business that's doing how it's doing, like it's doing well. Mm. And I just think to people who are literally in that sort of normal nine to five, even if as a couple, if you're both doing like an average salary of thirty K a year each, especially in London, both of you, mm. it's gonna take you several years and actually like live in minimally. And I think a lot of the time these millennials are in their twenties, which are people, oh, that's your prime years, that's where you go explore and do everything. And because you do have a biological set that you can have kids up to a certain age. So these things are actually timed in and I think that millennials are saying well my 20s that should be my experience years I want to spend my 20s like saving hardcore as much as possible not doing anything not socialising mm-hmm. they're the years they really value mm-hmm. which does build those bonds of friendship for the rest of your life mm-hmm. and I think that's a reason why uh, young people and millennials are saying actually no forget that I'm not going to just give up 10 years of my life saving and it's moving so quick the price is going up so quick that every year you save your money is becoming less valuable we've done the episode already with meaningful money which i'd say definitely check out definitely and i think that's what's happening that shift is happening where people are saying you know what i'll rent and you know what i'll quit my job after two years and you know what i might go traveling for six months and then i'll come back and i'll rent again i know how it, and so it's that kind of mentality that they're not clinging on to anything they're not held down by a home and this and that and it's just it's just a totally more fluid way of living and it doesn't seem and I think some of the insecurities becomes comes from that fluidity of it. It doesn't feel secure. But at the same time, I think we're just slowly adapting, saying, well, you know what, I'm going to rent. You know what? Like, I've got friends at the moment that are renting. I've got friends at the moment who are literally going traveling for six months. I've got friends that are trying to save in as they, I've got friends in each category, the person who's not spending any money saving as hardcore the travellers who quit their amazing jobs in London to go six month travelling, mm-hmm. the person who's renting and has a flat share. So I'm seeing all spectrums within my friendship groups and you can kind of see what one person's getting hyper happiness on this travelling and you're seeing all their Instagram pictures. The other person you hardly see because they're busy they're busy saving and trying Grinding not to socialise. And, and then you've got the guy, the person who's renting, who's then got all the, like, the housemates and living with loads of people and they've got the issues with that. And okay, well, I've still got to pay this much, but I'd probably, because I'm paying this much rent, I'm never going to be able to save. And it's, it is a kind of, that is a problem with an, how it is nowadays. But at the same time, I guess we've got a, just go accept and see that this is the way forward now unless parents or unless you start a business or unless you get a very high paying job it's very 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 unlikely that you're ever going to be able to afford a property well that's it i mean i earn just only just under by probably about a thousand pounds or so just under the uk average wage in fact is it the uk average wage or the london what's London average wage london's around 30 okay so it's under the uk average wage and there is just no way in hell. I'm not even close. Not even 
close to being able to even consider buying a house, let alone actually doing it. I'm not even in that area of of financial security where it's like, yeah, you can buy a house in five years. It's like, nope, nowhere near. <laughs> yeah. Don't bother. Just yeah. carry on renting because you, you may as well enjoy your life a little bit more. And I think the interesting thing as well is as a generation, because um, we're the bottom end of the millennial generation, mm-hmm. the generation as a whole is just shifting into midlife crisis mode. Mm-hmm. And I think there's this realization where we've suddenly gone, we've worked our arse off for the last 20, 30 years, right? Because that's what we were told to do. Because we were told if we work our arse off, we work hard, we get good grades, we get a good job, we'll have a house, we'll have everything we want. And we've come to the point where we're hitting midlife crisis as a generation. And we've suddenly gone, oh, that was a load of bollocks, wasn't it? <laughs> That was a load of bollocks. I worked my ass off under the promise that I could have my own home and I'm still nowhere freaking near. Well, you've got to think, you bloody go into education, a higher high education's a must. If you go do a degree and then you do a master's, you're going to be like, what, 24, 25? By the time you get out now, you've got five five years before you're 30. And in that time, you're probably going to be on an average graduate salary, which isn't that much. It's not, it'll be like the either London average or probably lower than that. And you've got five years to save up, but then at the same time, you've got a rent and... You've got to play, go and still socialize and have a life. Mm-hmm. And now you get to 30. Now you think, well, I've got five. In that five years, there's no chance you're ever going to have enough to raise a deposit, especially to live in mm-hmm. London. And so I, I just think it's, it's pretty much you have to accept what um, uh, Meaningful Money was saying mm-hmm. like, and just say that, you know what, we, we're not going to do it unless you're getting a big inheritance. It's just not going to happen. Just enjoy your freaking money. Go take your expensive holidays. Have, have a good experience. Have good experience. Because again, that's. That's other things. I was talking to my dad yesterday and I was saying, like, you've worked solidly hard your whole life. You've never taken time out for yourself. And what do you have to show yeah. for it? And I'm like, you've never prioritized your own well-being. You never prioritized, like, your own experiences, what you enjoy. Mm-hmm. And, he, and I was just like, that's why you're having that crisis point. But I think millennials are having it early because there's just that awareness. Of- well, I think millennials are having it early as well because they're seeing their parents go through it. Yeah. And have another crisis. Yeah, you're kind of getting the foreshadowing of what's to come for you anyway, so... <laughs> That's it. Like, my dad's in his early 50s, um, and he's just paid off the mortgage of the house. But the only reason he's managed to pay off the mortgage of the house is because my uncle passed away a year or two ago um, and left a fair amount of inheritance. But my dad's suddenly going, well, now what? My dad's worked his arse off so that he could have his house and he could provide for us as a family. And that's great. But now he's suddenly going, well, well, I've done it now. Like <laughs> level complete. Yeah. Like what, what happens, what happens now? Like it's like that Alan Watts thing. He, he's arrived mm-hmm. and he's like, Oh, well, this isn't as I'm still, I still got to work. I've still got <laughs> shit that I want to do. Yeah. All I've done is prolonged the getting to that point where I'm like, I can do what I want to do now. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, you know, being an actor, um, I accepted a long go. time ago that I was not going to be owning a house. I mean, if if my career takes off, I could do. Um, but I can't, I just kind of accepted that I'm going to be renting for the rest of my life. And it's quite freeing, actually, in many ways, because I'm not, I'm not putting that pressure on myself to save for a house. I'm going, do you know what? Just enjoy your freaking money, because you're only here once. You can't take your house with you. Like, yeah. yes, it's a good investment in many respects. It's an asset and all that sort of stuff. But 
What does it really, really provide you with? And one thing I just want to say, like on the base of the... Actually, adult- I'm going to ask that. I'm going to pose that question to you. Okay. As somebody who has bought their own place. Yeah. What's it provide... Beyond the knowing that you've got an asset and the financial, quote, security, end quote, what's it provided you? It is nice. It's a nicety and it's got your own place. So that's the one thing is the privacy of, okay, it's in my own place. I don't have to share it with other people. That's mm-hmm. good. Um, the, I guess the fact that, I don't know really, it's not, again, old, old me, old Okay, people. let me put it to you another way because you've managed to do it at quite a young age. If having this yeah. meant that for another 25 years you had to work your ass off, not go on holiday, not have a life, would it be worth it? No, my mentality was always I have to figure out how to do it faster. So I would never do, again, my mentality was never go down a nine to five route because as soon as I had a nine to five, I realized straight away, this is not going to work for me. Mm-hmm. What I want to have, if I want a property, I need to do something differently, mm-hmm. which is why I went into entrepreneurship and business because it was just, I had, I'd done the math. I had the, hit the thing hit me in the face and realized it's not going to work. But then on the other side, having a property where your, your mortgage is cheaper than renting also means you've got possibility to save more so cost sure so that's a nice sure i mean there's there's that sort of stuff but i my question i guess is let's say take the entrepreneurship out of the equation right you do the nine to five thing you work well it's probably not even going to be nine to five right now because it's just unrealistic okay you work in six days a week you're leaving the house at 7 a.m you're not getting home till seven eight o'clock at night you do that six days a week for the next 30 years would you be happy with what you've got now if, if that's what it took to get what you have now. Would no, you feel like you got that, a good deal? I just wouldn't make that the point, which a lot of people do. Right. Which I guess is the point behind this article, which is, is yeah. actually people have realised that actually that's not the point. Yeah, and I think that's where the massive load of gratitude comes in because at the flip side of it, as millennials, we've got so many opportunities to travel the world, world, to have many lives within our lives, and I think that's really the ultimate, uh, the, the thing we should be also grateful for. Yes, we might not own a property, but we are going to have more experience than anyone years behind us would have had because they couldn't afford it, they couldn't see the pyramids, they couldn't travel around the world, they couldn't meet a hundred different people, they couldn't have all these sort of amazing things that come with being at the time we are currently in and so Mm -hmm. for me that's where we're lucky and i think that's what we've got to focus on and not get so hung up on the fact that we don't have a house we have got experiences in abundance and i think that's what we've got to take from this Mm -hmm. so final question because we're going to have to wrap up we've hardly touched on any of the stuff we wanted to touch on i know got a bit carried away which is good i suppose and your Um, and my belly's going (laughs) um final question on this article is it a problem is it a problem? Um, I'd say... Is it a problem that millennials are choosing to take holidays rather than saving to buy a house? I would say as long as you're not spending outside your means, as long as you're not doing that holiday for the gram, you're not doing that holiday um, at the expense of you're going to get back and have to be paying for it. If you can afford that holiday and it fits into your life and you're not going to have to come back and then you've lost your job and then you've got to start again or again it's just as long as it's not an expense of your life as well like it shouldn't be mm-hmm. just because oh, i'm going to do it for the glamour of it and stuff like that have a good experience it can be an affordable experience so i think yeah i think it's it's fine to do it cool just i think don't get yourself into debt doing it mm-hmm. and the only other thing i would say is if you do want to buy a house then don't do it <laughs> <laughs> obviously don't then complain that you can't buy a house if yeah. you're going to go on the expensive holidays. That's uh-huh. all I've got to say. Awesome. Cool. Let's wrap up there. Oh, my God. I mean, we only covered two oh, subjects that we actually, out of 
the several that we wanted to cover. But I think some good stuff in there. Um, if you've got any thoughts, hit us up on the Twitters at PN underscore podcast. Um, we're also on SoundCloud now. Yep. SoundCloud.com forward slash powerful dash nonsense. Um, and yeah, leave us an iTunes review, which you can do on your phone now. Yes, you can. Because Apple updated things. So you've got no excuse. Uh, no excuse, I say. As long as your phone doesn't crash because of all the buggy software updates. Well, Sorry, man. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's just... It's true, though. The uh, software updates have been dire. Sorry, I didn't hear that. Can you say that again? <clears throat> so, uh, leave us an iTunes review. <laughs> Head on to the podcast app, um, and you can do it within the app. Powerful Nonsense. Uh, five stars or more would be greatly appreciated. Um, so, thanks very much for tuning in, and we will catch you next time. See you later. Bye.